I really like this. I like that I didn't have to be on stage today, that I could just worship in the back and bawl my eyes out. And then I get to do this other side of a front, you know, up front stage, whatever they call it, ministry. So it's good. So we're finishing up pop scriptures today with a scripture that I think another one that it's like, really, I think we've heard it a million times and we're going to be talking about the fruit of the spirit. Aw, isn't that sweet? (laughs) Uh, Before we jump into this, there is so much depth to this scripture that we're going to really dive in deep to the book of Galatians. But before we do that, I kind of wanted to draw a parallel a little bit to our our modern world right now. How many of you know that there is like an AI revolution going on, right? Chat GPT, AI art, like all of the things, right? And it's so interesting. I don't know if you've noticed out in our hallway, we have artwork hung by some of our artists here. And Randy actually brought a beautiful photograph of a tree. But literally when I told everyone that it's Randy's work, they're like, oh, we didn't know Randy painted. <laughs> and I'm like, actually, it's, it's not. And he, got, he gets so excited. If you want to talk AI stuff with the arts, Randy is like, he loves talking about it. What he did, he took a picture with his cell phone of a tree and then he partnered with AI to change it and to modify it and transform it into this beautiful picture that's out there. But he didn't just end there. I had asked all of the artists to write a little bit about how their artwork can, um, connected to Ephesians three fourteen through 21. So every single little art piece connects with that. And Randy's like, really? You want me to write something? And I was like, well, have you heard of ChatGPT? And so what chat GPT is, you give it a prompt and it will write something for you. And so Randy and chat GPT wrote his description of his art piece out there. It is a whole new world. Some people are just saying like, we've lived through what the agricultural age as a species, the industrial age, the technological age, and now they're calling it the augmented age, right? Because we're partnering with AI to do things way beyond what we could do as humans and way faster, right? Has anybody experimented with like ChatGPT or any AI art or anything like that? No, it's, it's kind of fun actually. So you could, you could do that. Um, and so I would argue that the same disorienting feeling, because there are teachers, like if you hear about this, teachers are freaking out because they don't know how to justify what is their students' work and what the things are that they've typed in to the computer to chat GPT. Hey, write an f- essay, three paragraph essay on bugs or whatever it is. And chat GPT will produce a beautiful essay that is stunning work, perfect grammar, perfect punctuation. And the teachers have no clue. Like, is this my student's work? I don't know, right? And so this new world, and well, I would argue that the world that the Galatians were in, the world of the new church, the early church was almost just as disorienting. They didn't know like how to walk in the spirit. This was a whole new world. And so we're gonna take a look at Galatians. And the thing is, Until this point in history, the Jewish people were the ones who were introducing Yahweh to the world, right? We talked about that two weeks ago, how when they were even in exile, it was how God used that time to reveal Yahweh, the God of all gods, the great I am, to the rulers of these other nations. And then they bowed down and they said, oh my goodness, this is the real God, 
right? So until this point, that, that was the role. The, the, the Jews were introducing Yahweh to the world. And throughout the history of the Jewish people, the men bore the physical marks on their bodies to distinguish them as Jewish. They were circumcised. It was the way they authenticated who was in and who was out, right? And in the upper room, the Holy Spirit was released and the message of Jesus began being proclaimed in power to those outside the Jewish faith. For the Jews, the only logical step was to say, okay, cool. All right, you're, you got our God. We, got all, we all got Jesus. Let's go. Be circumcised. Follow our laws. Follow our things. And that's not really what the Spirit was doing. The Spirit was doing something brand new. The only problem for the Jews was that instead of a physical transformation, if you will, the Holy Spirit was in the work of transforming hearts and minds creating a whole new culture. So this brings us to the book of Galatians. I love the little books that Paul wrote. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. They're all kind of, they all kind of run together sometimes. My dad taught me General Electric Power Company. And that was the way I would keep them in order of which one came when. And so each one, each of these little books can be read in its entirety. It's a, it's a letter that Paul wrote to churches in, in the region of the world where the gospel was spreading. And you can actually read those little books, those little letters in about 20 to 30 minutes. They're really great. And each one of them talks about different aspects of the gospel. And I love them. I mean, a few months ago, I was just like digging into Colossians. I'm like, Colossians is wrecking me. And then I got to study Galatians and I'm like, Galatians is wrecking me. And when I told Jeremy that I was going to start studying Galatians, he's like, oh, great. The book where Paul's really angry. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess so. Because here's, here's what happened. Here's what happened. The Jewish believers from the churches in Jerusalem, right? They had gone to the churches where the gospel was spreading. So this is a little bit of history, how things are happening. And they were trying to minister, teaching the new Gentile believers about the depth of the story of Yahweh and his people, introducing them to Jewish culture. The problem wasn't that they were teaching them, okay? The, the problem isn't with the Jewish culture. The problem was that they were telling the Gentile believers that Salvation was through Jesus and following the law and circumcision and all of these things. Jesus and celebrating the festivals. Jesus and. Jesus and. And here's the deal. The struggle of the Galatian believers has tainted every version of the Christian church for millennia. We have a really hard time understanding it is just Jesus. It is just Jesus it is not Jesus and speaking in tongues that makes us saved. It is not Jesus and taking a vow of poverty that makes us saved. It is not Jesus and wealth and health that makes us saved. It is simply Jesus, simple faith in Jesus. And before we go on, I, I really do want to make it clear. We sang about it, but again, I'm going to say it a million times. Our salvation is through Jesus alone. Faith in Jesus alone. We cannot do enough good things. We cannot wear the right clothes. We cannot say the right things. Our salvation is through Jesus alone. Fully God, fully man, who lived as a human, died as a criminal, was buried in a tomb for three days, and then came back to life. Jesus, who through the power of the Holy Spirit healed the blind, 
cast out demons, shared his life with prostitutes and other kinds of sinners, healed the lame, raised the dead, Jesus, whose blood covers all of our sins, the sins of our ancestors and those who come after us for all eternity. Jesus, the author and the champion of our faith, who, while we were still sinners, died for us, who still heals our infirmities and delivers us from our sins today. Jesus, only Jesus. Amen? Only Jesus. He is the only one who can set us free from the power of sin and death. We sang it. And we sang it again. And we sang it again. Because sometimes we just need it to get into our bones. (laughs) That it is Jesus. So back to the text. These Jewish believers' teachings infuriated Paul. I mean, if you read through Galatians, he uses really, really strong language. Like super strong language. His letter has the tone of parents who, when they see their kids doing something stupid that their friends are doing, they literally say, are you kidding me? If Marcus jumps off a bridge, are you going to jump off a bridge too? Like that's the tone. He's just mad. But the beautiful part of it is in his anger, he gets to the core of all of the things. And he gets to explain what this new culture of the spirit was. Because here's the deal. The Galatians lived under Roman occupation. The Romans had a very set way that they conquered, that they occupied other territories, that they had people live their lives right? They were super strict about things, roles for men and women, what people wore, all of these different things. The Romans were really just, they were establishing their rule and reign, right? And the Jews had their way of acting and being in the world. And their culture was beautiful because it had lasted them for centuries of occupation. Obviously, when a culture is marginalized and oppressed, they're going to hold on to their culture with everything in them, right? To not assimilate, But what the Romans wanted was assimilation from everybody. So here's the deal. Life in the spirit was a whole new game. It wasn't Jewish and it wasn't Roman. It didn't have the easily identified physical markers to show who was in and who was out. It was about transformed hearts and minds that led to transformed actions that led to transformed communities of people. It was an entirely new culture. And so when you read Galatians through that lens of what Paul is trying to explain life in the spirit being, it's a whole new culture. And when we think of culture, what are things that we think of? You you can, this is like my teaching moment. Like y'all can like, what, what is something that you think about when you think about someone's culture? You know, someone's a different culture from you. Maybe when you look at them and they what have fashion, clothing, right? Food. Yes. Music, yeah, totally. Even family structures, right? When I taught in, in, a Chica- in a school in the suburbs of Chicago, when we say, uh, you know, parent-teacher conferences, it was everybody. <laughs> it was the grandma, it was the mom, it was maybe both sets of grandparents coming, it was all the children, and they sat together, and we sat around, you know, 10 of us talking about the child. That didn't happen in my neighborhoods, right? It just didn't happen. There are ways that families are structured that are different, right? And so let's take a look at a few of these things. Clothing. This is so beautiful. In Galatians 3, it says, As many of you as were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ— 
There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. This was radical, like radical. And when I studied this idea of baptism, we do not do this and we will will never probably do this. But clothing was such an important part of the culture for the Romans and for the Jews. Such an important part of their culture. The Romans had different kinds of sashes and different kind of like embroidery that they would have to distinguish their rank. Slaves wore certain kinds of clothes. The masters wore certain kinds of clothes, right? Jews all wore linen, right? All of these things. But what happened, and this is another reason why the church was like men over here, women over here, because what would literally what would happen is that when they were going to get baptized, they would get naked and they would get in the waters of baptism And then they would come out and put on a new garment that resembled being clothed in Christ. These things that were over here that distinguished them as powerful or as poor, they died. As they died, baptism is a symbol, right? Of dying and being resurrected into new life with Jesus. They were clothed with Christ. Their identity in Christ became the most important thing. Isn't that powerful? So clothing, a new culture of clothing, being clothed in Christ. The next one is family and adoption. Now this is beautiful too, because it's not only the Gentiles who were adopted into the family. Paul is clear that it was also the Jews who were adopted into God's family, into this new life in the spirit, that through the spirit, they were all adopted, even the Jews. The next one is our vocation, right? Sometimes the things that we work, how many of you know that in the old days, what your parents did determined what you did, determined what your kids would do, right? Like that's kind of the way that vocation worked. Jesus was a carpenter because his dad was a, right, exactly. Peter and James were fishermen because their dad was a, right. The way that families worked was this was their vocation, okay? But this new life in the culture, their work. Now here's, this is crazy because I never had thought about this before I dug deep in my class last quarter. (laughs) But it says this, they were called to freedom. Their new vocation was freedom. What? Their new vocation became freedom, So freedom above fishing, freedom above carpentry, freedom was their vocation. They were to live in freedom. They were called to freedom. Now check this out. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. Hello. But through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Power goes away. Prestige goes away. Roles that people have played in the community all goes away, and they are invited to become slaves to one another. And the only reason that it works is because they're free. The only reason it works is because they're free. Isn't that incredible? I can serve my brother or my sister because I'm free. Isn't that, uh, anyway, we're going to keep going. Okay. 
But before we move on, I want to make another thing really clear because we're going to get into this verses 16 through 23 and it's powerful, but there's one verse that I really want to make clear. Those of us who say that we believe in Jesus are made into new creations. Do you hear me? We are made into new creations when we believe in Jesus. The word is very clear about this. The old is gone and the new has come. We know the word. We are new through the power of the Holy Spirit because the blood of Jesus. Our identity is now freedom in Christ and that identity impacts how we live and how we move in the world. We are free from the power of sin. We are transformed. Isn't that incredible? So now the next part, food. Hello. Who loves? Okay, can I just say last week when Jeremy had us do the little like meet and greet time and said, all right, tell us about the best bite of food you have ever eaten. How many of you actually went out and ate that food after service? Only me? Oh my gosh. We had to go to the Indian place. I'm like, Poppy, we got to go. I need my pani puri. I got to have it. It like explodes in my mouth. It's amazing. I just love it. Okay. Anyway, but, but the food that we eat in a culture is really, really important. And did you notice in that last verse, it talks about if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. I want to I just kind of present this to us, that sin in our lives not only eats at us, but it makes us eat at other people. Y'all know what I'm saying? So let's take a look. We're going to take a look at this first really big scripture, and then we're going to break it down. So here we go. And, and it's beautiful. We're going to take a look. I love it. Okay. So it says this, live by the spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and the spirit is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and fill in the blank. Right? And things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, which is different because I always thought it was goodness, but then the word is actually like when you give things. So it's not just like being good, like I'm a good person, but our goodness is wrapped up in what we give. Kind of interesting. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Now here's the deal. And I did not know this, but Paul uses all of these different ways, literary forms in his letters that were contemporary with the time. This section of verses is what's called a chiasm. C-H-I-A-S-M. You don't need to write it down. Okay. But what it means is that these verses connect to each other. So we're going to take a look at the next slide. It might be a little bonkers, but we're just going to look at it. Okay. So check this out. The, yeah, the top verse and the bottom verse correspond with each other. We're just going to look at that. Live by the spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh is if we live by the spirit, 
let us also be guided by the spirit. Do you see the contrast there? Now the blue one. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and the spirit is opposed to the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But guess what it says? And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Isn't that cool? But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. There is no law against such things. And then obviously the things that are awful and the things that are good. And the middle, I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what, what Paul's doing is he's contrasting the very first part of our struggle. Our struggle is real, right? People have that thing like, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Yes, it absolutely is. But guess what? We have a gift in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? Paul's a genius. I love it. And there are other parts like this in his letters. So when you notice like, oh, he's kind of restating himself here. Check it out. See if it's a chiasm. See if it works together. It's really cool. And so through this, Paul is pointing out two really important things that I think have to do with culture and this new idea of culture in the spirit. The flesh takes. The desires that our bodies have ruin us. They ruin those around us. They only bring about destruction. They are not what those who have become heirs and adopted into Christ's family would do. They're not. In contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is something that I believe the Spirit gives to us. Is the food for us. The flesh takes and the spirit gives. Isn't that interesting? Because how many of you like me maybe have read the whole thing like I just need to bear love. <laughs> I need, if I'm going to be a tree for Jesus and connected to the vine, then the things that I need to do, it's going to work out in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, or gen you know, generosity. I got to switch that one. It's hard. But here's the thing. I love this. I don't know if any of you, I can't remember what movie it was. I was trying to spend some time last night looking for it and I just couldn't find it, so I stopped. But I feel like there's a movie <laughs> out there, and maybe you can help me, where, and it's, you know, I'm a girl, so it's two female characters, right? Where a girl is struggling with something in her life and she goes to her grandma or her aunt and she's telling her, oh, like this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. And the grandma and the aunt is just listening or the aunt, just the older matriarch person just listening and says, okay, but first let's eat, right? This idea of like, okay, I'll listen to you, but before we make any decisions, we're going to, we're going to eat, right? How many of you get hangry? Yeah, you get hangry. My son gets hangry. My husband and I are so distracted that we could go a whole day and forget that we haven't eaten. But once I had a son who was like, actually, no, I do need to eat, mom. You know, I'm like, oh, right. So my front seat is filled with fruit snacks and like goldfish and granola bars and things because I know that if he's not eating, he will get hangry and I will pay the price, right? There are times where I get really bad headaches. And Leo's like, have you eaten today? <laughs> I'm like, all right. First, let's eat. And so I feel like this is the invitation that the Holy Spirit is giving through this passage, is first, let's eat. 
Let's eat. When we're struggling with the sin that we feel like needs, that we know is conquered, the Holy Spirit says first, let's eat. I would like to propose to you today, I'm going to say it again, that the fruit of the Spirit is not so much the things that the Christians are to produce as much as it is for us to feed on, to nurture ourselves with in this new culture of being led by the spirit. Because another important part of culture is food. The spices, the flavor, the way we nourish our bodies, even the event of eating in different cultures is so important. In Colombia, like Leo, they have a saying like, whoever eats alone dies alone. (laughs) And so you never eat by yourself. You eat with your coworkers, you eat with family. If there's no time to eat at work, then you wait until you get home and you eat with your family. You don't eat by yourself in your car while you're parked out front like I do, right? (laughs) You don't do that. And so Leo always thought it was so like, why are you eating by yourself? I'm like, I just need peace and quiet. But for him, that's not like eating is an important thing in cultures. And so what, what do we run to? I think this is the, this is the invitation. When we're struggling with sin, when we're struggling remembering that the, that the power of sin is broken and Jesus is overcome, when we get angry, when we get frustrated, when we allow lust to take over our emotions and our time and our energy. I don't know about you, but like there are times I get frustrated with people and then I just mill that situation in my, anybody else ever, ever. You just think about it and think about it and think about what you could have done different and think about like why you're right and they're wrong (laughs) and all of these things. And you, that feeds, that eats and devours at us. But the Holy Spirit says, come eat of what I give you. Come eat of these things. And it's hard. Can I be honest? It's hard to switch our appetite. It's hard to like clean out our pantries. (laughs) You're going to learn a lot about me. I'm sorry. But I am lactose intolerant. And I did not know I was lactose intolerant. That was the issue until I moved to college with other roommates who told me, you are lactose intolerant. (laughs) Right? And so I had to switch. And back then, 20 years ago, it was not as easy to find oat milk and rice things. To this day, I still cannot handle soy cheese. I cannot do it, right? But being lactose intolerant, I had to throw out the stuff from my pantry, from my kitchen, because I knew I wouldn't be able to eat it. I have a friend who just decided to do Whole30. Has anybody heard of Whole30? Yeah. It's something that you do that you eat actual real food (laughs) instead of processed box things that are usually more convenient. Sometimes it's really hard to do Whole30. I have a friend, she literally (laughs) showed a picture of her cabinet, of her pantry, and she's like, who wants to come and take this? Because I can't eat it. Right? She had to clean out her whole pantry to make room for the things that actually were going to give her the nutrition that she wanted her body to have. Do you hear me? This switch is hard. But I feel like it is the same in this passage. If we truly believe that our old sinful nature is crucified with Christ, we see sin and the fruit of the Spirit in a different light. Lust, immoral sexual behavior, and power plays for physical satisfaction take our attention and focus. And even our physical bodies and the bodies of those we are taking from pay a price. The Spirit invites us to feast on love, 
on true love that leads us in the way of mutuality. Idolatry and sorcery says that God is not enough for me, that I need to look to other sources of power or hold something else as more important, money, a potential partner, health, success, fill in your own idol blank. But the spirit invites us to feast on joy in any circumstance. Enmities and strife say that my way is the best and only way and that anyone who doesn't agree with me is not worth my time. The spirit invites us to feast on peace, the peace that passes all understanding and the ability to not only have peace in our inner minds and hearts, but to walk in that peace in areas of conflict. We get to feast on peace. Jealousy says that I want what I want when I want it, and I cannot deal when somebody else gets something before I get it. The Spirit invites us to feast on patience, to trust in God's timing and answers. Do you see how even those line up in the verses? Anger and quarrels say that we have every right to feel the things that we feel and act out on them in physically aggressive or passively aggressive ways. The spirit invites us to feast on kindness, both to ourselves as we take a step back to process our emotions, as well as filling us with a kind answer that turns away wrath. Factions and divisions say that when I disagree with someone, I can leave them. I break off friendship and communion because we will never agree. But the spirit invites us to feast on faithfulness, to help us walk out community with people who are different than ourselves, holding on to the things that bring us together instead of emphasizing our differences. Envy, I think is similar to jealousy, but I think it says that I want everything that other people have. (laughs) The spirit invites us to feast on generosity. Isn't that, oh, I love the Bible. The act of giving things away or spending our time and resources on things that offer life to ourselves and those around us. Drunkenness and carousing are like unbridled, uncontrolled ridiculousness. Think all the things you know about Western movies, right? There's chair falls into town. People are all, you know, doing things. Drunken brawls, people shooting each other, straight up lawlessness. That's what that is. And the spirit invites us to feast on gentleness and self-control. Isn't that incredible? And fill in your own blanks. Fill in your own blanks. This is just what Paul was writing when we look at that colorful thing. This was just what Paul was writing to the churches in Galatia. Those were their struggles. But let's be honest, some of those struggles are still our struggles but yet we also have other things. And so we can make any excuse that we want. We're really good at that. (laughs) This is just the way I am. This is the way my family acts when we fight. This is just what we run to. This is my MO. This is my family's MO. This is all I've known. This is my trauma. This is what you, we can, we can do that. Or even have you seen everyone else? Like I'm so much better than that. (laughs) Right? I'm nowhere close to as awful as they are. But at the end of the day, this is, this was really hard. I I just sat in this yesterday. At the end of the day, when we go back to our sinful nature, friends, we are like vultures feeding on a dead carcass on the side of the road. 
Because what did it say? Our sinful nature is what? Crucified. It is dead. And we can choose that. I actually, I like the hands-on kind of things. And so I thought about like getting just a piece of meat (laughs) versus a piece of like an apple, like a crunchy apple. A raw, you know, I can't find decomposing meat and I would barf, but, um, you know, but just, that's the idea. When we go back to our sin, it's like, we're choosing that over a crunchy. I mean, y'all like, just imagine with me for a moment. If you like to crunch into a green apple, right? Put a little salt on it. Oh, or tahine. I love tahine on my apples. You just bite into this thing and it is crunchy and juicy and it satisfies right? It is so good. That's what we get to feast on. That's what it's like when we choose spirit. I'm going to feast on the fruit that you give. It is a delicious meal. I just think about like an old grandma. I don't know why I keep thinking about like these matriarchs, but have you like, it's funny because, uh, because I'm lactose intolerant and now we're also gluten and dairy free. It's so annoying. Um, but like Tori cooks like the most incredible Italian food that I can never eat. You know what I mean? And so, but I think about this, like when I'm so hungry and I just want something that I know I can eat and that I know is good for my body, just how amazing that feels to make the right decision that is not going to hurt my body later on. That's what it means when we feast on the spirit. Do you hear me? That's what it means. It is nourishing and it brings peace. And so I, I really think that this, the, the invitation from the Holy Spirit for us, and I've, I've been living in this for the last few weeks, and I, and I can tell you that it's true, that when I'm in my thoughts or in my head or get really distracted by the things that are coming at me or the things that are frustrating me about whatever, when I feast on peace, when I just say, okay, Holy Spirit, first I'm going to eat. I'm going to let you feed me. (laughs) It really does make a difference. It really does. It really does. We feast first on the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control of the Holy Spirit. That's what we feast first on. That is what a transformed culture eats. How many of you know we need a transformed culture in our world? We need people who are willing to feast on the Holy Spirit first before getting on Facebook. We need, we need people who are willing to feast on, fa- on, on Facebook. What is that? Feast on the fruit of the Spirit before we, we have an argument or, or discussion with someone at work. We need to feast on the Spirit even before we go and talk about hard things with our spouses or our kids. We need to feast on the Holy Spirit first. That is the invitation when I'm tempted to resurrect the dead carcass of sometimes my justified anger and argument and competition, I feast on peace and love from the Holy Spirit instead. Instead of anger, controlling my thoughts and taking my energy, peace and joy come. I'm going to say it again and again, because this is a whole new frame of reference, right? For the fruit of the spirit, because we can't bear what we haven't eaten. What goes in must come out, 
right? It's not going to come out unless we eat it first. It just isn't. And so Rob, if you all could come up. I feel like the invitation for us today is twofold. And, and I'm a musician and a worshiper. And so I like to have worship <laughs> as well as we're contemplating things. And so they're going to come up and they're going to play a song. And we also are going to start as a church inviting prayer ministry. Like this altar is going to be open whenever you need it to be open. Okay. If you need it to be open during the first part of worship, it is open. If you want to come up at the end, it is open. And we actually have people who like to pray which is kind of cool, who want to pray for other people to be able to see God's transforming power come alive in their lives. Isn't that beautiful? And so we're going we're gonna to create some space just right now. So the invitation is, is, is twofold today. And I, I was really praying about this and I just, I feel like this is what the Lord wants us to make space for. So one, if you are still feeling enslaved to sin and it is devouring you and those around you, I'm going to invite you to come forward. You won't be the only people, don't worry, okay? Um, there is mercy, grace, forgiveness available to you. I almost wanted to have like little bowls of fruit salad <laughs> up here that you could just like internally eat, but we're fasting, so that doesn't work, right? Um, but that you could just like, just savor the goodness, the nutrition physically that, that mirrors the nutrition and the goodness that the Holy Spirit gives us. But I didn't do that. So we're just gonna let the Holy Spirit do it. But here's the deal. The word says that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all of it. It doesn't matter how it came. It doesn't matter how we chose it. He covers all of it. He delivers us from all of it. His mercies are new every morning. How many of you need that? I need that. His kindness is what leads us to repentance. So that's the first group. Two, I think that there may be some of us in this room who, as I was reading this list, realize you need to start eating some of the fruit that the Spirit is offering. And I encourage you to come forward. Clean out your fridge. Get rid of some of your go-to snacks that are empty and not good for you, that don't bring nutrition and wholeness, and feast on the fruit of the Spirit. And thirdly, if you just have a situation in your life that you would like someone to pray with you about, we're here. That's why we're here. This is the church. So please come forward. And if you just want to let the Holy Spirit work things out in you in your own seat, that's totally fine too. Or where you're standing or where you're kneeling, let the Holy Spirit do his work. But the prayer team is here, okay? And so they're willing and available to pray for you. So we're going to sing one more song. And if you come forward for prayer, you come forward for prayer, and then a prayer team member will come up after you. We're going to do it that way, prayer team. Does that sound good? So we wait to see who's here, and then we just come up and pray for them. And so we're going to sing the anthem one more time, just super chill. But just to remind us that by His stripes we're healed that our sin is nailed to the cross, that Jesus has overcome all of it. 
and the gift that he gives us in the Holy Spirit is there for us to feast on. Amen. So you can stand, you can sit. We're just gonna spend some time with the Holy Spirit.